Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris on today's Wimbledon Round 3 Catch-Up sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Sitsipas defeats Murray en route to round four. Rabakina rules over Balta. And Matteo Berrettini surges into the second week. Kim, today is the 9th of July and we are here to catch up on round three of Wimbledon we are nearly nearly there into the second week and yeah we're just gonna ca- I'm just gonna say we're just gonna catch up on some matches today I'm a bit confused we've nearly nearly I think caught up with the schedule we've got some round three matches to talk about we're still gonna be talking about some round two matches and possibly a bit of round four um yeah it's just matches I don't want to I don't want to get confused with what round we are in yeah I saw a funny comment on Twitter that just said no rounds just vibes which <laughs> I thought summed it up nicely and we should just enjoy the purity of the tennis and not think about yes. what stage of the draw it, we're it has at. Brought, it has brought into focus, I feel, the format, the round-by-round round format that we have because there's still a bit to catch up on, isn't there? There are still some round threes that haven't been played yet. I think uh, Mira Andreeva yeah. hasn't taken to her round three match. Over. Press, press yeah. for them. Sissipas just seems to be playing every, every, day, every day of the week. We've got like two matches for a lot of players to catch up on um, for today's episode. So yeah, there was and there was more rain delays yesterday or Saturday, uh, which caused a bit of uh, yeah upset to some of the matches. I would say. So I'm not sure what the forecast is like for for going into next week, but Wimbledon are going to be hoping that there's no rain and quick matches. I think so. Are you now dry from uh, your day out on Tuesday? Because that was a bit of a that was a bit of a wet day. What did you take? Did you take a brolly or a mac? How did you keep dry? I had a raincoat and a brolly, but the brolly was a, a mini one, which doesn't really cover the whole body if you're like trying to sit on like Henman Hill oh. or on the steps. So a lot of people going off to purchase £40 Wimbledon mm. umbrellas, uh, which I, I didn't go and buy one because I thought... Did you, well, did you not fancy buying the, uh, the, jigsaw, the jigsaw puzzle? <laughs> well, when did that protest happen? That was Wednesday, wasn't it? So yeah, they would still have been in the shops. Maybe I could have done that during the rain delay. I could have I mean, jigsaw puzzle, jigsaw. that is a perfect... That is a perfect rain delay uh like rainy day activity isn't it yeah exactly but i don't know if they're gonna be selling those anymore i, I haven't been into <laughs> I sh- we should have got krista to check mm. all the shops on friday we should have bought them all before uh yeah maybe before they got taken off the shelves and and sold them on ebay maybe, maybe i think that might have profit. made us look a bit dodgy if we were buying all the jigsaws <laughs> no, yes actually yeah actually <laughs> just thinking about that a bit more probably not the the best uh, plan of attack as we're recording this though chris is on his way to wimbledon today so maybe we could get him to look in all the shops for mm. uh, jigsaw uh, activity but let's have a look at what happened yesterday day six of the championships um we were all tuned in i think late last night for the katie walter <laughs> back in a match uh, it didn't get on court till about 9 p.m because of 
various uh, delays and what have you. But in the end, this was a very, very quick encounter, which I'm sure Wimbledon were secretly pleased about because I think <laughs> yeah. if it got to 11 p.m. and they were still going, then that would have called into question maybe some of the the roof uh, opening earlier in the day. But yeah, in in the end, it was six one six one for Rabakina and a bit of a schooling uh, for Katie Porter out on centre, wasn't it? I mean, we're, we're inadvertently having like these night sessions, aren't we? Effectively we on on centre court because yeah, this match I didn't it didn't start until after eight thirty, and there was worries that it wasn't going to get finished by the curfew. But I mean, the way Rabakina played, no one I think needed to worry. It really was a, a class apart, like for the, the full match. And at times I thought it was quite a scary performance from, from Rabakina. I thought she played f- flawlessly. And to me, it was a real statement win from her for the rest of the tournament. I think Iga Shiontek should take note in terms of how well Rabakina, the defending champion, is playing. And uh, I think it's really pleasing to see, given I think, you know, there maybe was a little bit of a slow start, you know, at the start of the week against Shelby Rogers. But I think with this result, she set herself up really, really well for the second week. Yeah, a lot of superlatives, I think, to describe mm. Rabakina's performance last night. A real champion's uh, kind of vibe I got from her. And, you know, she'd yeah. had a few iffy encounters, I think, leading up to this point, but definitely demonstrating that she she has the form and the level that she needs to win this title. And she showed it yesterday. And, you know, Baltimore can only learn from her experience. You know, she didn't do too much, I think, like majorly wrong. It was just, you know, you're up against a real champion's performance. And she just didn't really get an inroad, did she, on the, yeah. the back in the serve? I was, you know, I still was a bit disappointed with, with Balter. I think we've seen her on centre court before, uh, you know, rise to the occasion. I always think she's a big game player. She doesn't get phased by these moments. I always think about that match she had on, on centre against, um, was it on number one, against uh, a Sabalenka a, a few years ago where she was very, very close to, to knocking her out. And uh, I wondered if we could get a same sort of performance, but um, she didn't really get going. And um, yeah, it was a little bit, I think it was a little bit disappointing. You know, it was a, it was a prime time, prime time billing, prime time viewing on a Saturday night on BBC One. And uh, you, you sort of wanted the British number one to show, okay, this is, you know, this is what I've got. And uh, unfortunately it just shows Bolter who, you know, I want to see compete more and more on the you know week in week out on the the regular WTA tour it just shows i think what she needs to do uh, to get that point just to even be competitive because mm. uh, yeah at times it was it was very night and day yeah the gulf between them i think showed that you know she's up to 70 in the world rankings mm. now but there's still a, a considerable distance yeah. between her and like you know the top 10 um one of the other women's matches from yesterday. I thought this was a real standout match. Uh, Onjibor against Bianca Andrescu. Um, this match was great. Um, Andrescu playing so well, taking that first set and then Onjibor levelling up. And they were kind of a couple of games into the third set when it started raining, the roof had to close, they all came off court and then 49 minutes later, back they came. Um, and I think this is where the match was sort of not ruined, you know, because it depends how each player copes with the rain delay and how their mentality is when they're reacting to it. But I don't think Andrescu came back the same player and she played she played a terrible game, um, I think, at four all in that third set and essentially get you know almost gave that game away to Jabor mm. with a lot of unforced errors, a double fall. And then, you know, Jabor was not gonna give that break up. She she um got the job done and it was, you know, six four in the third. But I was really enjoying the kind of 
all court game of both players, the variety that we saw. And it was, yeah, really enjoyable encounter. Um, and I was kind of looking forward to it potentially going, you know, down to the wire. But um, yeah, just a really poor game from Andrescu that kind of just, yeah, gave the match away, I think, at the end there. But did you see much of this one, Joel? What was your kind of um, take takeouts from from this encounter? Yeah, I caught I caught glimpses of it. And I actually thought Andrescu was playing the better tennis. I thought she mm. was going to get the upset over over on Zibor, but I, I know you know we can never count out um on Zibor and I think it really did come down to kind of who could reset and, and refocus after after that rain delay and, and Andrescu interestingly sort of acknowledged that um after the match she said oh my god the rain delays honestly I don't know I'm feeling good during those rain delays I'm staying very pumped up speaking to my team maybe it's my mindset so maybe there's work to do there and I think it was almost unfortunate I think that that sort of pause happened because maybe without that pause we would have had um, a different result but I think it just shows that with this Wimbledon it's not just the, the tennis you play on court it's it's also that that preparation and what you spend your time doing off court to make sure that you know when there are all these kind of challenges going on particularly with the rain on and off you need to stay focused and um you know although Andrescu may have felt good um you know in, in uh, rain delay I do think it sort of affected her uh, you know ability when she came she came back on and Jabal was there to to take full advantage of that she was yeah and she wasn't gonna um let that let that go and you know, Andrescu, she, this was the first time actually at Wimbledon that she's been in the third round. But I was genuinely thinking for a moment, could mm. she go? The way she was playing, it was definitely giving me vibes of when she, you know, won her Grand Slam back in 2019. I thought I thought maybe Kennan was the one to go all the way. But, you know, and, and maybe uh, spring a surprise and, and kind of relive um, that form from a couple of years ago. But then I started thinking, oh, maybe it's Andrescu. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's slightly frustrating that she wasn't quite able to do it. But I think she'll be really pleased with how she played generally. Um, she can keep that form up be like for the rest of the season, going yeah. into the US hardcore swing. Like she'd be wanting to keep that form up. Yeah, and particularly with the the Canadian Open coming up as mm. well, um, home tournament. But um, yeah, I think she'll, she'll be like, uh, you know, she battled through, you know, her first couple of rounds, some really tight clutch moments that she came through so I'm impressed she came through into the third round but yeah I think she'll be disappointed in terms of you know this was an opportunity for her to to get to the second week of Wimbledon and um, I think she'll she'll look back and think maybe you know maybe I'll approach it differently in terms of rain delays how you know how I tackle them how I come back onto the court because I do think that was the difference with this match. Yeah, so Onjibor is through um, as a result of that. She will face Petra Kvitova next, who came through mm. against uh, Natalia Stavanovic in straight sets. So still undefeated on, on grass, Petra Kvitova. Yeah, and she's still going in our collector set as well. Mm. Um, one of the players that is. So uh... <laughs> I was so worried in round one when she had uh, had Paulini and uh, went to like a third set in front of like... 15 people on centre court really late and I was like oh this this is not the way I want it to end for, for Petra <laughs> Kvitova but she again has I think maybe a little bit like Rabakina started a little bit slowly but has definitely come into the tournament and at the moment feels like a, a full force to be reckoned with I didn't realise Kim there are three players that are undefeated on the WTA tour in grass this season two of them are Iga Sviantec and Petra Kvitova. Do you know who the third is? Um, well, I want to say it could be Alexandrova. It's not Alexandrova. Oh, okay, because we'll get onto her a bit later. But um... <laughs> It's Madison Keys. 
Oh, yes. And I've got her going into the quarterfinals, I think, in my predictions. Because mm. she, she won as well. Yeah. She's still going strong. Not many people talking about her. And not many people talking about Jessie Pagula as well. Two, uh, two Americans still in the draw. But um, yeah, the, uh, there's a few certain forces, I think, to be reckoned with. And um, you never you never want to count out Kvitova, former former champion. And um, I think, yeah, she's, she, is looking, she is looking a lot better, I think, than she did in, in round one. Yeah, and Haddad Meyer is still there as well. She mm. um, beat Kostera easily uh, and Keys, yeah, beating Kostuk fairly comfortably. So some interesting, um, yeah, some interesting matchups, I think, coming coming through. And Sabalenka also threw in straights over Blinkova um, yesterday. That was on, on court one. So yeah, her, I mean, Sabalenka, she's only lost one match uh, in slams this year. And, you know, she was a semi-finalist here previously. So I think she's still due to go deep although actually let, let's talk about Alexandra because you've got her in your semi-finals haven't you Joel um Alexandra am I am I correct I, th- I think I think you're right I, I do you know yeah. what I've put my predictions out of my mind because <laughs> because of what happened to Chris uh oh, with his yes. predictions I've almost trying to to forget about them but um yeah I'm, I am I am pleased for, for Alexandra I think I did say actually on a, on a tour catch-up earlier um a, f- a few weeks ago that you know this was a great opportunity for her to reach the second week of a Grand Slam for the first time. I don't think she's ever been beyond round three. So, um, you know, she's in fantastic form at the moment. Um, she had a bit of a weird match, didn't she, in round two, mm-hmm. I think, against Madison Brengel. I think Brengel, she won in like a last set tie break and Brengel hit 91 unforced errors or something cr- something crazy like that. So maybe that was just a match she needed to get through. But um, yeah, she's doing she's doing very well. And I think she's going to be a player that just no one, no one wants to come up against. Yeah, I think it was actually Alexandra for the hit, 91. I'm oh, sure. sorry. Yeah, yes. he still won. Um, but all three sets in that match went to a tie break, which um, apparently is the first triple tie break women's match at Wimbledon in the open mm, era. Well, there you go. I, I guess it's because his, they would only have been playing last set tie breaks till quite recently as well. So I suppose there's maybe certain um ramifications with that stat um so yeah but she she made it through in a, in a marathon match and then beat i think dharma galfi quite comfortably mm. um yesterday so she'll be through to play sabalenka but alexandra won her togenbosch uh, which i had forgotten about so yeah i think your prediction looking not too bad it's one of those players who you, you just know that the the, the tournament organizers they're going to put put her not on a show court and um you almost i think as a fan you sort of just forget almost she's there because she doesn't obviously get the the tv coverage um she doesn't get like the main the main billing um but yeah she's kind of slowly slowly kind of coming through the draw and um i think she'll be on a lot more people's radar um next week given you know given the form that she showed yeah i think she's going to be a real test forever for whoever she uh you know faces in the next round yeah, absolutely. And let's have a look at the men's action from yesterday. Um, we did have Carlos Alcaraz first up on centre against Nicholas Jarry, uh, who's the 25th seed. I was very impressed by what Jarry brought mm. to the court. Um, South American doing doing well on the grass. <laughs> well, he's Chilean, isn't he? But Christian Garin did quite well here last year, I think getting to maybe the quarterfinals, uh, definitely the fourth round, I think. Mm. Uh, but this went to four sets. It was 7-5 in the fourth. So at one point I was wondering if Jerry could take it into a fifth um but yeah it was a very good match four hours long I think I'm sure Alcaraz would have rather had a a quicker pathway through to the fourth round but um do you think that Alcaraz is looking like a potential finalist here Joel do you have 
concerns wow. just sort of the way that some of his matches haven't been as maybe as easier mm. as they as they could have been yeah i don't think we've seen peak alcaraz yet um i you know before before jerry i caught his match against uh alexandra muller um and his, his forehand was all over the shop he was leaking so many errors from that time from that side and I, I was wondering if his forehand is not performing then it's going to make life really really difficult for him and um you know given the quick turnover between that match and this match against Jarry, who is a very tough, very, very tough competitor with a big serve, very competent from the baseline. Um, he loves that kind of plus one punch, uh, you know, after the serve. And um, I was wondering, yeah, if, if this was on, on upset alert, given, yeah, I thought it was a little bit under the weather from from Alcaraz in the previous round. But I think this was the battle that, that he needed. And I think this was the battle he needed given the fact that I think he's got Matteo Berrettini next, you know, big server who's not going to give a lot of cheap points away, really going to put his return game under focus in the spotlight. Um, so I think this is the test that he needed. But yeah, it hasn't necessarily been plain sailing to get to this point. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a really valid point in saying that actually you do need a bit of a challenge earlier mm. on rather than sailing through and then kind of being caught out later in the tournament so I think certainly then his next round as well will be another challenge like you said Berrettini former finalist here knows his way around a grass court very well he beats Verev um in straight sets, straight sets yeah yesterday were you surprised by that result straight sets just just Berrettini this week I'm I'm, I'm surprised by I mean the last time I, I saw him was was crying on you know coming off uh you know from from Stuttgart so for him to go from that point to the second week of Wimbledon is an incredible effort and a, an achievement. And um, he looks to be in really formidable uh, form at the moment. I mean, the match against Zverev, there was there was just not a lot in it. Um, I think Zverev only lost, he lost two points more than, than Berrettini. It just shows how even it was. But Berrettini just came up clutch in in the big points that mattered and it was really impressive I think given the amount of time he's had off the tour you know he's not got a seeding here but I think it just shows that you know with grass court tennis and Wimbledon I, I do genuinely believe if you've got a big serve and you've got a big forehand it can take you places you don't necessarily need everything absolutely firing and um, I think Berrettini has shown that and um Zverev, I maybe didn't find the backhand side, the backhand wing enough as much as he maybe should have. But yeah, I'm I'm pleased for for Berrettini given the the struggles he's been through. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen him like fully fit and functioning, mm. so it's it's nice to see him get to this stage. Just very quickly on Berrettini mm. Alcaraz, yeah. Who would you say is the favourite going into that? Oh, given... are you playing devil's advocate well, here? Because <laughs> I think I honestly, I I would arguably say Berrettini is the slight favorite against based on, based on Wimbledon and I guess grass court form historically yes but I don't know if just based on like recent like matches and does he have the sort of lasting fitness yet like from his injuries I think it could go five I think it could be a real thriller um I wouldn't be if Berrettini wins I won't be surprised because you know it's not like he doesn't have prowess on the courts here so Oh, I don't want to. Yeah, I'd still say Alcaraz, but if Berrettini won in like five, I wouldn't be surprised. But if Berrettini won in straight sets, like comfortably, I would be a bit 
shocked. Yeah. You've got to think Alcaraz will want to try and make it as much of a physical battle as possible, yeah. given given the allow- the lack of match time Berrettini has had on, on tennis court recently, given it's 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 best of five, he'll want to draw it deep to uh to really, really test, you know, where the, the Berrettini fitness levels are at, you'd think. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see how that goes because I think that'll be a Monday match. Uh, elsewhere, Daniel Medvedev is through. He beat Fuksovic in four sets. Uh, Sitsipas also through. Uh, he beat Laszlo Gere. Uh, so he's been playing, I think, yeah, every single day for the last <laughs> few days. I think finally today he might have a day off, uh, which would be nice for him. Do you think, just going on to Medvedev, he's, he feels like he's come through without much fuss or hoo-ha like, I don't feel people are talking about him I think he's made his way into this stage I think this is the deepest he's ever gone oh he's matched what he's done previously do you think he could go any further like the fact that there isn't really much attention on him do you think he could be a bit of a dark horse to like make that final I think I've seen <laughs> I think I've seen better tennis from other contenders um, mm-hmm. but certainly again another really tough opponent that I think just showed where where Medvedev's level is at, and you know, going a set down, I think to to Fuchovic and coming through that in in four, um, again, very very impressive. And I think there have been other times when you know Medvedev wouldn't have necessarily been able to to have come back from that, you know, a, a few years ago. So I think it shows how focused he is, and, and maybe he wants to make up for you know what happened in what happened in the French Open. I do think his game is very, very well suited to to grass, very flat, keeps low, a bit difficult for the opponent. So yeah, who who knows? I'm not I'm not necessarily saying he's like wowed me with a statement victory, but he's certainly keeping himself there or thereabouts. He's got Lehechka next, who mm. came through Tommy, Tommy Paul, Paul in mm. five sets. Um, I think Lehechka had a lot of opportunities to win that in four, but it went through to he's, the fifth. And he's he avoided the banana skins on. so far, and Lehechka is going to be another banana skin. But you'd take, I think you'd still take that in, in round four. Yeah, absolutely. And Sitsipas will play Chris Eubanks, who mm. obviously beat Cameron Norrie, but then backed that up with a win over Chris O'Connell in three uh, tie breaks. So Eubanks is the Mallorca champion. Uh, he's now won eight matches in a row on grass. So <laughs> he's having a the time of his life at the moment. Um, he'll be going up in the rankings. And I think, yeah, it's just fantastic to see a new name, I think, coming through on the tour um, getting to know more about them and um, we'll see what he can do against Sitsipas. He's got nothing to lose. He must have spoken to Novak Djokovic about his, his secret to tie breaks um, yeah. before the uh, the Chris O'Connell match. Um, no, yeah, uh, Eubanks has been, you know, he's been great. I know everyone as a British fan will be disappointed that he defeated Cam Norrie, but I mean, he's got such a, he's, I mean, he's like six foot seven, big serve, lovely, powerful backhand. And um, yeah, he's just sort of riding on a, a wave of momentum at the moment. And it's I think it's really nice to see in the sense that he is a late bloomer. He is a little bit like an Aslan Karatsev, um, I think, mm. in terms of, you know, he's plugged away on the tour, probably never been the most fancied male American. They've had more kind of celebrated male tennis players on the on the court. But to see him have his you know, moment here at a Grand Slam is is really, really great to see. And um, yeah, he's he's fully, you know, he's fully embracing it and he's not being overwhelmed by the occasion. And I really like the fact that, you know, he got that 
that win against Norrie, which he described as the biggest win of his career. And then he was able to back it up against Chris O'Connell and get that done handily in, in three sets because we see a lot of these players, they make the, you know, they, they deliver the upset, but then they fall out in, in the next round. So it was nice to see him, I think, continue that momentum and um, just really, really nice to see. Yeah, and he may well be the the last remaining American because TFO is two sets mm. down to Grigor Dimitrov and they Crazy. were recommencing today, which, yeah, that result was, well, that match score at the moment it's, is surprising. It's almost, it's almost as perplexing, Kim, as... Denis Shapovalov, I believe, is also the last the last standing Canadian. What's, yeah. what's going on there? <laughs> he snuck through pretty quietly, actually. I know he beat uh, Liam Brody, but I think, yeah. And obviously, he's a former semi-finalist here. So, mm. yeah, there's a couple of players that haven't had too much, I think, attention um, and still still going in the draw. And just to cap off uh, yesterday, we, we can't not talk about Holger Rune against Alejandro Davidovich-Vakina. This went to a last set tiebreak out on court three and I guess the the most sort of um what well, the biggest talking point is uh the underarm serve that Davidovich Fakina did at eight all in the tie break um which Rune cottoned onto he was able to kind of rip a you know passing shot to to get the point and bring up his first uh, match point having already saved a couple from Davidovich Fakina um and then yeah Rune did not look back because he won that tie break 10-8 so Davidovich Fakina, underarm serve, eight all. Would you have tried that, Joel? Or do you think there's absolute madness to do that at that stage in the match? What was he <laughs> thinking? I think Fakina is an entertainer, um, but he's shown in the past that his decision-making can be subjective at times. And you can put this in the book with that because this was such an important moment. I don't know if he froze or he wasn't thinking... I know he said afterwards he had no regrets, but this is something you do not do at this moment. And I think he will, in hindsight, take a long, hard look in the mirror in terms of how he approached the end of the end of that tiebreak because he was what eight five up. He was in control, and I think he just got he just got scared. You know, Runa was coming back into it, and he just froze. He maybe wanted to try something different, um, but. Runa was there to capitalise. That underarm serve was terrible. He just plonked, it was a bad. He one, just plonked it? it in. No yeah. side spin. No, no nothing. Mm. And uh, it was just there to be hit. Yeah. And Runa fully capitalised on it. Yeah, and a fair play to Runa. And you know, it was a shame because there was such good shot making in that um, match and in mm. the tie break. And it was, it was almost sad that it sort of you know not completely ended because of just that one moment of madness, but that was a large contributing factor. And I think, yeah, he'll be having to, um, yeah, if he's in that I, situation again, <laughs> definitely make I, I uh, do love Fakina for it. I think he's a great, <laughs> I honestly think he's such a great talent. Um, but yeah, his, his decision-making just, just, you know, lets him, lets him down at times. Um, you know, we've seen that at Wimbledon um, in, in the past, you know, you got that, he got that like point penalty, didn't he, on, on match point, I think, against Vasily. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a shame. But I, I still love the entertainers. You've got to have some entertainment on the tour. We've got Bublik. We've got Fakina. We're in good hands. Yeah, we are. Um, so let's have a very quick break now. But we'll be back in the second half to look back at day five, Friday uh, at Wimbledon. So do not go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network, which means it protects your internet connection and privacy online. 
VPNs create an encrypted tunnel for your data, protecting your online identity by hiding your IP address. But what does this mean for our Tennis Weekly listeners? Well, we chose to partner with NordVPN because it will allow you to watch tennis wherever you are. With NordVPN, you can connect to servers around the world. So when you're looking to watch live tennis and get that pesky message, this stream is not available in your market, all you have to do is open NordVPN, click on a location and you'll be connected in seconds. Personally, I've been using NordVPN for the last two years since I moved to Denmark, allowing me to still connect to my UK streaming services and watch all the tennis matches I need to in order to provide the best analysis I can every week on the podcast. So if you're looking to watch every court at Wimbledon, but you can't in your market, or you're on your summer holiday and want to keep up on all the action from SW19, then NordVPN has you covered. Download NordVPN today with our exclusive deal at NordVPN slash Tennis Weekly. But make sure you use our link to secure the best deal and support the podcast. It really does help us keep doing what we love. Plus, it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Sign up before the players are ready and take to the court. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Now we're going to look back at day five of the Wimbledon Championships. And I guess the main starting point, really, Joel, for day five is that Andy Murray, Stefanos, Sitspas second round match, which finished up on centre court. As a big Andy Murray fan, obviously slightly disappointed, I'm sure, with what happened on Friday. Um, What did you make of Andy when he came out for part two of that match? It was a nail biter from from the start. It was a really tough moment, I think, to begin that match on fourth set. Murray two sets to one up. There's no bedding yourself in. This is like you got to be ready from the get go. And I think both players were. I think I was impressed with with Sissipas because I feel like we see a lot of lapses in concentration from him. So for him to come out raise a sharp focus um, was impressive. And then for Mandy Murray as well, um, I think we saw that level of focus on concent- and concentration. Um, maybe he was a little bit more distracted. There was a few more kind of looks to the box, a few more kind of vocal shouts of, of frustration. But I certainly think kind of both players brought it. Um, it just came down to a matter of points here or there. And that point, uh, what was it, 4 all 15-30, I mean, the press conference said it said it all really in terms of it was in. Um, Murray didn't challenge it. I don't necessarily think it was that, you know, if he had won that point, it was going to win the match. But it certainly would have, I think, kept the momentum. It probably in all in all likelihood would have been a let. But you could see how despondent Murray was in the uh, was in the press conference. And you, you, you sense how big of a moment he felt it was. Do you think they should have played up to the curfew on Thursday night? Because Murray had just won that mm. third set. He had momentum. He could have eked out maybe a break in that fourth set and would have been in a better starting point potentially on Friday. Yeah, because they, they finished, I think, at around 10.40. So there was like a good good chunk of time left up to 11pm. And I personally think in hindsight, they, sh- they should have, as a Murray fan, the the referee should have come on and been like, you're playing up to 11. We've got this curfew. We've got loads of matches that need to be played still. Um, we want to get as much of this done as possible. And yeah, the momentum the momentum was with Murray. And I, I sort of have these flashbacks to when Tim Hemman played 
Goran Ivanisevic and what he won that fourth set really convincingly and then um you know in, in a Wimbledon semi-final and then the rain came down and it was a completely different match afterwards and I almost think there are similar parallels with this in terms of the curfew happened they went off come back the next day completely different conditions you know nighttime under the roof now daytime without the roof and unfortunately it led to a completely different result yeah um it always seems to be British players mm. and either rain or roofs or something um, preventing them but um yeah it's uh it's a shame for Andy Murray um you know can I just say I did call him losing to Sitzpass in the second round uh collect a set obviously that was a you know I think a crunch point for that but it, it was tough and I mm. think it could have gone either way and Murray definitely had the level for most for most of the match you know to do to do the win he didn't manufacture any break point opportunities no. though and, and you didn't I think if there was one thing I would say is you never really felt like on the Sissipas serve that he was knocking on the door in terms of getting that that break Arguably, the, the that moment would have been that that four all, maybe mm. fifth, maybe fifteen forty in in the fourth set, but you felt when it did go to the fifth, the shift had gone to Sissipas, and it was more on. Uh, annoyingly, even as a Murray fan, it felt more on Sissipas's racket as opposed to Murray's racket. Yeah, yeah, um, and in terms of British male players, we had quite a bad afternoon, didn't we, on Friday? Because I think all three remaining Brits in the men's singles lost, I think, within the space of a couple of hours of each other because we had Cameron Norrie going out to Chris Eubanks, like we alluded to earlier. That was in, in four sets. And then we had Liam Brody losing to Shapovalov in four sets as well. Um, obviously, Brody against Shapovalov, you know, Brody had already exceeded mm. all our expectations yeah. by knocking out Kasper Ruud. So I think he had a very uh, valiant effort yeah. against Shapovalov and I would say well. I would say he probably had the best Wimbledon of all the of mm. all the Brits. If you consider, yeah. you know, his ranking, where he's been um, to get to to get to round three of Wimbledon, he, he did his mum proud. Um, so um, yeah, I think he he probably was the only player I would say from the British contingent in the singles that would could you know could come out of this tournament and say yep had a had a pretty good tournament there yeah because Cameron Norrie you know last year's semi-finalist I know we've said about Chris Eubanks already how he's on this run of form and you know it's not perhaps as big of a shock uh, given that Eubanks won in Mallorca just mm. before but Norrie you know in theory given the ranking difference and what we've seen from Norrie at Wimbledon before what what could Norrie you know was there something that Norrie has been struggling with should have done in that match what can he do to like regroup from from a second round exit i don't know whether he took his opposition you know lightly or, or underestimated uh eubanks i think it's always tricky playing someone who is more of an unknown i think on the on the atp tour um you know eubanks is much more known i think on the on the challenger circuit so when you come against up against someone like that you're not really sure you know what to do and i think he's got a look at how he handles these big big game players you know Chris Eubanks's tennis his brand of tennis is bigger than Cam Norrie's and he failed ultimately to kind of keep a lid on it and um, I think going away from this match I think he'll need to look at okay how do I I'm not the biggest you know hitter in in the game I'm more of a counter puncher how do I assert that game on someone who's being as aggressive as a Christopher Eubanks because there were too many times where Chris Eubanks just 
got a hold of the rally and um you know was was able to con- was able to control it from the off and um i think that would be disappointing for Norrie given you got to the semi-finals here last year he would have wanted to make further inroads than uh you know where, where he got to but um i just think that eubanks executed better better on the day yeah, no, I think that's a, a very valid summary mm. of, of what went down. Um, let's look at some of the other matches from Friday. A big match that had been sort of built up was Stan Wawrinka against Novak Djokovic. They were last on centre. Um, what I thought was quite amusing in a way in hindsight was that they came on at 8.40. So, you know, considering Another the, the two match. Well, yeah, basically an unofficial night session uh, as we've been getting. <laughs> These two have had some, you know, really dramatic, long five set, four set matches in the past. So the race was on a bit for them to finish by 11pm. But give Djokovic a deadline and he will reach it because he finished off that match with 10 minutes uh, to go, uh, making sure it didn't go uh into a full set, making sure he got the job done in three sets. So it was six three, six one, seven six. Perhaps a lot more one sided that some people were picking up. You know, they they were saying, "Oh, Stan has beaten him at every other Slam. Mm. Can he make it four at Wimbledon?" But you know, these two are the hype was there. The hype, <laughs> the hype was, there, was there, but the, the, the tennis wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> the tennis wasn't there, was it? Um, it's been several years since you know they played uh, at a Slam. Stan is not the same player. You know, Djokovic is, but but better. Uh, Stan is is not where he was and I think this is the scoreline we got that showed that I mean first of all for Stan Vavrinka to, to just get to, to round three given all the injuries the surgeries that he's had he's 38 years old and mm-hmm. um, I think that is Im- impressive in itself you know he's doing similar things to you know to what you know to what Andy Murray is doing and um, even just to get this match up um, again this rivalry um, was was a you know a feat in itself, but when it did come to the court, it did just feel like there was only going to be one winner. And uh, I think Novak Djokovic, as you said, was like, I knew, I want to win this, but I also I want to win this tonight. Um, he did not want to come back next day um, to finish this match off. So he brought out some very kind of commanding tennis, nothing out of the ordinary really, and again sort of adds to that processional feel um so far anyway um for for Djokovic certainly into the into the second week and I think if there's one thing maybe he will take from from this first week if there is anything that he can take is the way that again he's just handled these tiebreak situations grass court tennis we know that that brings a lot of tiebreaks and when you have whatever it is that Novak Djokovic does in in tie breaks uh, that can only be of an advantage to you and um, he seems to really be able to bring out the worst in in his opponents come those tie breaks and um, and clinch them so that I think will be very pleasing from his point of view and there are no doubt going to be tougher tests to come I think he is in the tougher you know the tougher half of the the draw but I think he's yeah he's he's set up well yeah, he's got Hubert Herkaj uh, mm. next, who has had three uh, slam matches now mm. in a row. And he loves tie breaks. Sets. So, exactly, <laughs> well, you, you know, he loves, he absolutely loves tie breaks. I don't feel like I've seen a match on tour this season from him that doesn't have um, mm. a tie break. So, again, it's going to be a real test, I think, when it comes to Novak Djokovic. And uh, if we do get to those tie break situations, it'll be fascinating to see how maybe Herkaj handles them because, you know, he's, he's a player who's been in so many tie breaks in his, his career so far. He knows how to play them, but equally Novak Djokovic does as well and he knows how to win them. 
Yeah, he's the tiebreak king. And I think Djokovic as well, you know, the probably the only player that hasn't been affected by the rain or the mm. scheduling. You know, he's he's stuck to his uh, every other day schedule so far. So I think also Svontank, um, so definitely being... I guess, uh, looked after it in that way. And talking of Shriontek, we had her in action on Friday against Petra Martic. Obviously, Chris was quite looking forward to this one. He likes a bit of Petra mm. Martic. Uh, this was straight set, 6-2, um, Do you think, based on what you've seen from Shriontek, she's looking like um, your champion still, Joel? Because I know you've predicted her, or always Rebecca, you know, based I'm, on what we saw I'm, from her yesterday, is she, she looking like the one? I'm, I'm swaying back to Rebecca at the moment uh, mm-hmm. given that performance against Bolter um Petra Marti is a is a very handy competitor she's you know she's a she's she's gone um you know I think she's gone into the second week second week at Grand Slams and uh, I think she she showed it in that uh, second set she was making openings particularly on the the Shiontech second serve um but yeah at the same time the fact that Shiontech hasn't dropped a set is into the second week. I think that's the first time she's got to the second week of, of Wimbledon. Correct me if I'm wrong, but she, yeah, is is looking looking good, and it's again has laid a platform, I guess, similar to to Djokovic. But I think there's still there's still more to come from her, and I think there are going to be bigger tests to come as well. Yeah, absolutely. And let's have a look at the other women's matches from Friday. Um, I was watching a bit of Caroline Garcia against Marie Buskova. This this got moved on to, I think, court one after the second set. Uh, I think they were worried about light. So they stopped them, moved them over to court one, which they don't tend to do very often, actually, in, in Wimbledon. I feel like they're, they're normally quite traditional and they like to keep things to like where the match started or if it started under... A roof. It's got to finish under a roof, and all of that. Garcia should have been wary of uh, deja vu. Am I right? Yeah, she played Buzkova here twelve months ago. Lost to her in the fourth round, uh, and this time round, she lost to her in the third <laughs> round. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't Nightmare. great when they went on to the um, third set in undercourt one. You know, under the roof. Yeah, a lot of unforced errors from Garcia. Um, Buskova's game a lot more you know solid um, not breaking down so much which was yeah the real difference I think when it when it came to it and it's just yeah it wasn't wasn't pretty at the end um, so a bit frustrating for, for Garcia fans I mean Kim just just on your point on um, the fact that they did they did move this and it almost mm. felt like a, a miracle because of the I feel like we call out this like oh if they could move this match onto the onto the main course I feel like we talk about that every day and it's almost like false hope. We, we were excited and it never really materialises. There's been a lot of talk around the fact that the 130 start on centre and number one is just, it's just too late and they've not budged that at all this tournament despite the the delays and the rain and the weather. What do you think in terms of that 130 start? Do you think it's, it's, do you think it's too late or do you think that's, you know, just keep it as it is. Oh, I think it's too late. I mean, it used to be one o'clock on both courts where they've pushed centre back even further. And I think when you get like rain delays, roof closing delays, it all adds up. And all of these sessions, you know, every day's play has gone late, basically. So they are like having unofficial night sessions, aren't they? And I'm not sure if all these ballot ticket holders who get, you know, 
um, a nice day on Centre Court, they're not all able to stay till 11pm. So you get the crowds clearing out and obviously it gives a chance for like resale people to come in. But it's also meaning people that do have tickets, they're only probably getting like two matches and they might have wanted three. And I'm sure they'd be quite happy for it to have started maybe at, at midday. You know, every other slam, their day sessions start a lot earlier um, they do have like designated night sessions and I think therefore they have to start the, the day sessions earlier. But I don't know. I, f- I feel like maybe is it inevitable that Wimbledon at some point might just change the format and would would, would they ever have like a day session and then a designated night session? Or is that because of the 11pm curfew, you can't really have a, a set night session that you're selling tickets for with a curfew? I feel like if that was ever an option or in the future, and I don't, I don't think that's on the, no. not even on the horizon at the moment then certainly you would need to have an earlier start time um i do think that there needs to be an earlier start time 12 30 midday it needs to be earlier because as you said i i do think with fans that not everyone is coming from from london and can get home at 10 59 you know p.m or, or people have come out for the day from you know, all, all around all around the country and you know they may need to get a, a train back or some mode of transport back um in the evening and uh you know they they will still want the, their full day's worth of, of ticket tickets aren't cheap and some people can't afford to stay till the later hours of of the day so i think from that fan point of view certainly it needs to happen i think from the players point of view as well i know it creates this sort of mystique and specialness to those matches because they start at a different time to all the the out you know the outside matches and i still think you can have that that barrier but i think you just squeeze it a little bit and and bring it to yeah i think maybe an hour earlier or or midday just so it doesn't feel too close for comfort for the organizers i feel like they can just give themselves a little bit more breathing room if they have an extra hour in in the play yeah, because even if there are no rain delays, um, you've got you know, three matches. You've got from, say, on Centre Court, one thirty to 11pm. Okay, in theory, that's like, what, nine and a half hours. Yeah. But the thing is, if you get two men's matches and they go four and a half hours each, that's and then you've got, you know, it's quite feasible that you could reach mm. the curfew just with three standard matches without any delays. And that is not really, I mean even if they started an hour early could reach that deadline it's it's unlikely that you would always but i just think it doesn't it was a downright miracle wasn't it that that yeah that order of play on center when we had the murray sister pass match to finish mm. we had two other full best of five set men's matches uh djokovic vavrinka and alcaraz muller and a sviontek martic ladies singles match it was like I don't. I think we were in the minority thinking that was going to finish. That was going to finish by eleven p.m. Yeah, Djokovic did was very lucky to have got that. He did done. a solid for the organisers there. If if Sviontek had gone to a third set, for example, that would never have you know been been possible. But um, yeah, I, I feel like Wimbledon are way too rigid with certain things, and they need to like reassess for the benefit of a lot of people. I will say though, Kim, we got to we got to think about the hospitality. You know, people oh, people need their lunches. You know, people need their fancy foods. Um, 
tuck in for that uh, you know midday and then come to the tennis so we've got to we've got to remember these people kim can't they just have a tesco meal deal while they're watching the tennis <laughs> i just think i just think rather than it be lunch make it like a posh brunch or, or yeah. breakfast or, or something yeah. i think like maybe it doesn't necessarily matter what uh, you know time of today time of day it is but um certainly we've got to be thinking about the the matches on court and the player welfare and i think starting earlier and not making them finish so late is it's, it's got to be kind of one of the things that they certainly need to talk about in the wash up um, after this year's event. Give them a champagne brunch or breakfast. Oh, instead. love it. Give yeah. me a champagne, uh, <laughs> give me a champagne, champagne breakfast. And not, not WKDs. Oh, from, yes. Uh... <laughs> Actually, that's a much better shout. Oh, there we go. <laughs> right. Um, on back to the tennis. Um, let's just have a look at some of the other results, which I think may be quite interesting from Friday. I wasn't expecting this, but Switzerland beat Kenin in straight sets. I was thinking Kenin was on a run here. I mean, you know, arguably the third round is, a, is an amazing achievement for her, given where she's been. But and obviously Switzerland, a former semi-finalist here, a very solid player. But I was a bit um, surprised that this didn't maybe go three or Kenin didn't didn't get the job done given how well she played the other day i love how svitolina has said she's she's got to give her tickets to harry styles away oh, Kim, yeah. <laughs> because um she's got to uh what she got to round she got to round four so she's not able to go to she's not able to go and see harry styles but you know that's obviously not what casper rude was thinking because he was he was at the weekend concert and then played some men's doubles so <laughs> i love what what is it with tennis players and uh, going to see kind of high profile gigs during grand slams? No, but I love I love how Svitolina yeah has uh, it's it feels like she's surpassed her expectations. The fact that she had Harry Styles tickets booked, maybe she didn't think she was going to get to Wimbledon round three, but the way she's playing, it's been fantastic, and she's certainly making the most of that wild card that's been given to her. Yeah, very, very justified wildcard, of course. Um, another player that I thought might do better in her match was Donna Vekic. You know, she'd come through against Sloane Stevens, but she lost in straights to Marketa von Drusova, 6175. Mm. So, collector set, Vekic is out. I think I got that one correct, potentially. I think I put her round three, but I don't know if I'd had von Drusova down to beat her. I don't think I had, but. Um, yeah, we know Von Drusper, you know, she's been a Grand Slam finalist before. So maybe she's a bit of a dark horse we need to look out mm. for. <laughs> she always seems to be unseeded, but that's more because of her injuries as opposed to, or time mm. off court versus her actual level of tennis, which we know is is comfortably, uh, you know, I'd say comfortably top top 20. And she, if she if she just was able to get some sort of consistency together and, and stay injury free, I, I, to me, she she can really push into top 10 as well. Yeah, exactly. She's had some bad luck, I think, along the way. Uh, we had Azarenka beating Kazakina. JPEG is still going, Jessie Pagula. She's had a comfortable victory. Ben Benchich still in the draw as well. Um, and also, Lesia Serenko beating Anna Bogdan. 2018 in the last set tiebreak. Wow. What a lengthy, you know, what a, a, a marathon tiebreak that was. So, Serenko doing really well. Um, to beat Bogdan in that one. Really, really curious. Just on on JPEG on on Jesse Pagula, she has pulled out of the mixed doubles with Austin Krychek, and the official reason was given as back injury. So I don't know if there's any health concerns there. Uh, Jesse Pagula, she's always got such a full workload, doesn't she? When she when it comes to to Grand Slams, I'm I'm sometimes always not sure 
if it's if it's right, she's you know obviously in the in the ladies doubles with uh, with Coco Goff. Um, they always do really really well, and they full well know that's an opportunity for them to win a a doubles Grand Slam title. But I do wonder if it just takes its toll on Pagula's singles Grand Slam ambitions. Yeah, maybe it's something she'll have to reassess if mm. she really wants to, if, if she thinks it's um, holding her back for her singles. It, it might just be a precaution that, or she stated that as a reason to pull out of the mix. Kim, I love, I love what you did there, holding her back. Oh, <laughs> that was totally unintentional, <laughs> I must say. I'm, I'm not that um, intellectual to have thought about that pun. But um, let's have a look at today's play. Uh, we've got obviously round four matches commencing and then some third round matches finishing and starting so it's still a bit um all over the place but centre court we've got um at 1:30 as we've discussed uh, we've got Rublev against Bublik followed by Svantec Bencic and then Djokovic against Herkaj so will there be a tie break in that last match that's what i want to uh to <laughs> absolutely. know absolutely i'll be disappointed if there isn't mm. <laughs> um and court number 1 we've got Jpeg against Serenko Sinner against Galan who we've not talked about Daniel- but i know you- Elahi Galan. You do like with his Galan. full name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Azarenka Svitolina. So Svitolina has never beaten Azarenka. I think she's love and five in their head to head. Oh, interesting. She got uh, thrashed at the last time they played in Australia last year. So, yeah, will she be able to um, to uh, you know get a, vi- a victory over Azarenka for the first time? Oh, that is a tough one. That for me, I mean, to me, that is actually the match I'm probably most looking forward to, actually. Um, yeah, Svitolina seems to be playing very well. Never can count Azarenka out. Oh, Azarenka in three, and she's going to make Svitolina regret missing out on, uh, missing Harry, out Styles. on Harry Styles. Yeah, oh. that's what I'm going with. <laughs> um, elsewhere, we've got Potapova against Andreva. They need to start their round three match. Um, there's an all-check encounter between Von Drusva and Buzkova. Francis Tiafo is finishing with uh, Grigor Dimitrov today. Uh, two sets down, Tiafo is. So yeah. we'll see about that. And another player we've not talked about at all, Roman Safulin is in action against Denis Shapovalov. So he's snuck through into the fourth round, um, which is great for him. Um, so More yeah, players but- like sneaking, sneaking through. through. And Andrevo is, I feel like, complete, I'm not going to lie, complete like Wimbledon fodder in terms of, you know, the amount of hype we got around Coco Goff when she burst onto the scene at 15 years old. I feel like Andreeva is going through a similar story, but it's 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 going by the wayside like a lot more, I feel. Yeah, exactly. And maybe it's because she's Russian and Wimbledon, mm. like they don't want to make it's a tricky. hype about any Russian or Belarusian players, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like we've got Azarenka against Svitolina. I think Svitolina will not be shaking as Arenka's hand. So I just hope we don't get any awkward Roland Garros style um, crowd reaction to anything like that. Um, you know, because that caused quite a bit of controversy at um, at the French Open, uh, which was a shame. So I'm sure, well, I'd hope the Wimbledon crowd wouldn't wouldn't go down that route. But um, yeah, lots of interesting matches as always today. But I think we'll be back um, Monday, Monday night uh, to round up fourth round and some third round action. Yeah, we're going to be back, listeners, in double quick time tomorrow evening. But I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action still to come from Wimbledon. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Tennis Weekly Pod is our handle. You can also email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website tennisweekly.co.uk and we will be back on monday evening at tennis weekly hq for our round four wimbledon catch-up so i hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from kim goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.